What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain the homie my man, Lewis Howes, stops by on this podcast, ready to release his new book, The Mask of Masculinity, coming off the New York Times bestselling book, The School of Greatness. He's got a podcast, he's up on stage speaking, but he's all around a great individual who comes from the heart, and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. What's up, my friends? I'm here with motherfucking Lewis Howes. <laughs> What's up, brother? How you doing, brother? Good to have you back in Austin, man. It's good to be here, man. Yeah. Your place looks nicer every time I come here. Yeah, that's the goal, right? It looks amazing optimization you can't have an optimization company and bitch be like i i know that I, I i upgraded my studio and i was like i can't be the school of average and <laughs> yeah, to have yeah, like this yeah. average looking room like even still i'm like oh it's got to be nicer you know every time school of like rickety ikea <laughs> janky janky bullshit <laughs> exactly. oh greatness <laughs> like exactly. yeah greatness <laughs> exactly can you feel it they're like, they're like no i feel walmart in here. exactly yeah <laughs> you've been good brother been really good man good yeah. man you got great. another fucking book coming out. I do, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be hard to follow your first one. That one it was is. a huge success. It was a good one. And I feel like the only way you can get better is if you actually go deeper within yourself. Right. And that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And it's easier to do just when you're when you're looking at yourself and you're not sharing with anyone. Mm-hmm. But when you share with everyone, that's when it becomes harder. But that's also where the magic is, right? <clears throat> because when you dig that shit out of your soul and you share that and then other people identify with it and they go, exactly. oh, fuck, I'm not the only one that feels that stuff. Exactly. You know this. When you do posts on Instagram or Facebook, the ones that really take off are the ones that you start to reveal a little bit about yourself. Yep. I just did a post yesterday. Where, you know, I opened up, I think it was four years ago, three years ago, that I was sexually abused for the first time. And it was like a big deal for me at that time. Now I talk about it, you know, like I just did, and it's not a big deal because mm-hmm. I've gone through the process, I've healed, I've forgiven, I've owned my worth in that moment. <clears throat> and so every once in a while, I'll mention it on my podcast, kind of in passing. Yeah. And, but I never like, write about it and post it i kind of just mention it if people who are listening they kind of know my story and i did a post yesterday just an image where i kind of shared the story and that image just kind of took off you know it was like one of the most liked images i've ever posted and i think it's like almost 750 comments on instagram for me that's a lot sure. where i usually get maybe a hundred <clears throat> so i think when we continue to look within and share the things that we're most scared of or just vulnerable moments Others can relate and yeah. others can connect. And so many people replied and said, I loved your work before, but now I'm like even more into your work because I know what you went through. Yeah. And for me, that's cool when people can relate to you more. 
I think it's valuable. It's essential, man. It's essential. No yeah. one wants to follow a figure, an alien, or someone that's not even real. Yeah. You know, that doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, maybe they will just out of curiosity, you know, just out of like voyeuristic perversion or yeah, something. Like Schwarzenegger you know? or Stallone. Yeah, or exactly. Like, where it's just a, it's just a caricature, <laughs> yeah. you know, or Kanye, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's, you're, you're looking at him. You're not like looking with him. You're not like right. seeing through his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think that real gift is when you can allow someone to step inside you and see outside of your lens. Right. And then because in the same way, you're doing the same thing for them. You know, you're showing that you can go inside their eyes and see and look out mm -hmm. and see what they feel i mean that's that's really important and the sad thing is about you know your post about being abused it's just all too fucking common man so many people the dms i'm getting of people saying you're so courageous and brave which i appreciate but i'm also like i don't feel like i am anymore because i've already done it i've yeah. already said it so i'm like thank you like i get it i understand where they're coming from but so many people are like, I experienced something similar, and no one knows. Only my wife knows, or only this knows, or no one knows. And now you give me the courage to kind of share a little bit, which I think is cool. Yeah. It's when people feel trapped, like they can't express who they truly are, what they've been through. That's the worst type of pain, I think. Well, there's so let's just talk about this in case there's, you know, some, because surely, you know, just by the numbers, there's one a lot in of six people, men. There's a lot of people. Do you know the numbers yeah. for women? I think it's one in four. I think so. I don't you know. know if, I don't know specifically, but I think that's what it is. There's a hundred thousand people listening to this. We're talking to, you know, twelve thousand to twenty thousand people, twenty five thousand people, you know, depending on male or female, who have had this experience. And mm -hmm. and I think one of the things, you know, as I've done work and been in ceremony with people, sometimes they won't even remember. You know, like so the the, the brain won't. the brain just kind of blocks that out, and it shows up in weird ways where they're like. I don't remember my childhood. And you're like, huh, that's interesting. But usually something the, traumatic happens. It's just a defense mechanism, yeah. right? You know, all of these things that the body does to just cordon off those painful moments so you can just go on with your life. I, I dated a girl, super sweet girl, for a brief moment. Um, and I wouldn't say we were, we were never like officially together, boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were dating, hanging out. And we got pretty intimate for a few months. And it was when I was kind of sharing about this experience a few years ago. I was like super vulnerable. I was just sharing it all. I was like, wow, yeah. this is crazy. I'm scared, but it feels good to share. And she was there for me to listen. And she told me, I'm not going to say her name because I want to respect her, but, but uh, she told me that she couldn't remember before 18 years old anything in her life. She was like the most loving, positive person. And she was from another country, uh, Azerbaijan. And she had moved to uh, to Canada, I think Toronto area, when she was 18. And her whole childhood, all she thought about was like living in America or, or getting away. Mm -hmm. And I would always ask her, like, what was childlike like? You know, what was it like growing up in Azerbaijan? She was like, I don't remember. It was like a different life. Like, and all I thought about was coming here. And I just knew something had happened yeah, that totally. she was blocking. And um, we went through, I don't remember, I, I can't remember if I told you about this or not. And maybe it was like right when we started hanging out, but she went through like a, a really dark time. She started going through and processing some of her own stuff. And it was some of the crazy experiences I've ever had in my life interacting with her. She went literally crazy. Like yeah. she went crazy. She was in a mental hospital for I think three or four weeks. Um, and she was just posting the weirdest things online. She was saying the weirdest things to me. And it was kind of like she wasn't 
who she was anymore. Yeah. It was, I was like one of the first times I was actually scared for my life. Sure. Because of what she was processing. And um, <clears throat> there's some darkness when we don't share, when we don't allow ourselves to heal, like the demons that can come out can be really scary. Yeah, when you cordon it off, it just <clears throat> festers even more, you yeah. know, and the longer you allow it and the more it is. And I think that's where getting some real help, you know, where it's like you you know that there's something there, you know, like go talk to some talk to some of the experts and, and figure it out. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about is the um, in the MAPS MDMA-assisted psychotherapy trials for trauma. Now, they, they work with a lot of first responders, but they also work with just generalized trauma. And they just got breakthrough drug status because it's working so wow. effectively. That's so cool. like curing, like not even not even treating tra- trauma, but curing trauma in two out of three cases with just three MDMA-assisted psychotherapy sessions. Like unbelievable breakthroughs in that. Because what it does is it allows you to process these old memories in a really loving environment with a skilled psychotherapist yeah. as well. Where you feel safe and when you feel safe then your brain relaxes and then you relax and then you can go access those memories but with a safe emotional state yeah and then dig back in there and then start to release it because really fresh air and sunlight is what heals and that was part of your process right like expressing it getting it out in the open allowing the you know the light of truth and love from everybody else and the support to kind of wash over that and start to heal it was an amazing process when I started to do that, when I gave myself permission. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it took, you know, probably a year to, to fully be able to say it without feeling embarrassed or guilty or shameful or... That's the fucked up part about it, right? Because somehow you internalize, you know, I haven't been through it, so I don't know, yeah. but it, it just from hearing from other people, you internalize some guilt over it, like it was your fault, even if you're four years old. Yeah. Like somehow you did it. Yeah. You know? It's just a stigma to it, I think. It's a, yeah. It's just like people look at you, or our interpretation is people are going to look at me like I'm damaged, used, abused, taken advantage of, whatever it may be, and we don't want people to look at us that way, I think. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes so, sense. But it's all, it's all, it's good. all nonsense. It is. What, what happened when you shared? Just love, right? <clears throat> it was the most incredible thing I'd ever experienced because I shared, <clears throat> excuse me, I shared in a group of like 40 people. And I shared, I was so nervous. It was a process, kind of an own process I was going through. And it was in a workshop and I shared, and I remember just trembling when I was sharing it. And I sat down after I was done sharing it. Luckily, there was two women sitting on each side of me and I just erupted in tears. Like I've never bawled like this since I was yeah. probably, probably a kid. I couldn't stop shaking. I was just like kind of releasing and letting it all out. They were holding on to me. They were crying. I was crying. It was like, I couldn't stop. <laughs> And then I just left the room because I was just like so kind of, right. you know, I was embarrassed. I was nervous. I was scared. I was everything, mixed emotion. I was happy <clears throat> that I finally talked about it. And then I went out into the uh, outside of this kind of conference room and I just went outside to get some fresh air. And I put my head against the wall. It was like in a back, like kind of street alley and there was a fence. I put my head against the fence. And one by one, these men from the room came came to me and looked me in the eyes, gave me the biggest hug, and they were like, you're my hero. And it was like the most – they made me cry even more. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. You know, I was like – and they, one by one, would express, you know, if some of them had a similar experience, they shared that. Other people were like, I judged you. I thought all these things about you, but now I know who you truly are and what you've been through. It's like I look at you completely different. And that's why I think it is. When we reveal the things that we're most afraid of or most scared of, embarrassed of, people can see us for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they can relate to us on a level which they never could before. 
And then they can trust us. They can like us. They can build relationships with us on a deeper, more meaningful level. And I think that's what we're all trying to do is have meaningful relationships, advance our dreams, our careers, our business, have more intimate love, feel happier and healthier. And I don't think we can do that without fully revealing ourselves. And that's, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to read this book yet, but I know, you know, even from talking to you in the cover, you know, the mask of masculinity is what this book is called. And I think part of the mask is that you're not supposed to be vulnerable. Yes. Right? Like, this is the thing that you're supposed to wear. Like, no, I got it. I'm always good. Like, Mm -hmm. which is really the opposite of true strength. Right, because it's uh, it's it's false. It's putting on a Halloween costume mm-hmm. full of armor and acting like you're riding around like fucking Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> exactly. but really, all your swords are plastic because mm-hmm. you can't really handle the the true emotions and the true challenges that are coming. You're putting on a show. Whereas when you're genuinely vulnerable, you express what you have. That's like real courage, yeah. and then that creates real solidity. That creates something where you're not going to be a hothead and lose your temper. You're not going to get pushed around by your emotions you have genuine strength your roots can go deep you know and so but the first step is vulnerability taking off that kids play school armor you know it's so hard to do man yeah i think it's you know i don't want to speak for you but i feel like i've seen you progress over the years as well where you you don't put out this perfect image out anymore not that you really were before but i think it's just like we're all progressing and you're with all the work you've been doing with the ceremonies with the trips with all the different stuff, the um, the process that you've gone through. I see it in your writing. I see it in our inter- interaction. And I feel like it's all helpful for us to grow. And you're getting – here's the thing. When men – and I started writing this for me and for men like me. And then I started realizing this is not just a man thing. This is a female thing and a human thing. Mm-hmm. All humans are going through different challenges of wearing masks. We just have different experiences growing up as men than some women might do. But as I was writing this, I realized, you know, <clears throat> these masks are really just to try to make us feel safer. But when we continue to open up, we create the most results that we can possibly. We create more results without the mask on than with it on. And so, mm-hmm. many, so many of us guys think we have to have it figured out. We have to look perfect. We have to have... We have to be strong. But by projecting that, we're actually not advancing our dreams. We're not advancing our relationships. We're, we're hurting them. How could we advance our relationships when we're projecting something that's not us? Exactly. If we create an avatar of who we really aren't, and then everybody directs their love towards that avatar, guess what? You're never going to fucking feel it. It's not real either. It's not real. So they're sending all of their love and affection and interest to that illusion. It's, it's the seducer's dilemma as well. You put out some kind of image of yourself that's not real and cause somebody to fall in love. Guess what? You're never going to feel that motherfucking love because you've created this creation that they're loving rather than just saying, take it or leave it. You know, at least if I put my own heart out on the line, if there's love coming, I'm going to feel it. Absolutely. You know, rather than trying to control and create this other situation. And always, <clears throat> and always having to live up to that, that creation that you made, that yeah. illusion, that mask. Always having to put that on in order to receive that love or attention or acceptance. It's just exhausting. It's exhausting. It's so exhausting, it's impossible to keep up. And it's the cause of almost all breakdown. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we act in a way that who we, tru- who we truly aren't, it's just con- going to continue to create breakdown. Life is already challenging enough being who you are. (laughs) 
don't try to add any other elements that don't support you. Yeah. And part, well, and part of the issue is it's not just for the other people that we're doing this. It's just society in general yes. has these ideas about what it means to be a man. Like, you, you know, pop culture... It's like all of the action hero movies, you know. Not only, not only are you perfectly equipped to kick anybody's ass and handle the situation, you're so <laughs> relaxed when you do it. You can say some fucking, yeah. you know, pithy little remark as, yeah. as there and drink their beer as you walk out of the bar, like. And you can seduce every woman, yep. and you can speak twenty languages, yep. and you can, you know, like James Bond. It's like, and you're not phased when someone tries to drug or poison you. You can like figure out a way to save your life. All these things, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, perfect sense of humor, perfect body, perfect intellect, perfect everything. Dress perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just impeccable in all ways. And we internalize that as the idea, and then anything short of that, we punish ourselves for. Yeah. And our ego, our ego likes that because our ego wants to feel like it's perfect. It tries to create games where it's superior. You know, so when our inner critic asks our ego, the inner critic asks our ego, "By what criteria should I judge you?" Ego goes perfection of mm. course because i'm fucking perfect I'm, right i'm the greatest i'm god you know that's what the ego loves right. to say so we judge ourselves according to these standards of perfection that we get from society and we always fall short because always. perfection is a fucking myth it's just not real how do you handle it on a daily basis because you've got a pretty perfect looking life yeah you know what i mean you've got everything from the outside looking in obviously i know you a little more than a lot of people but You've got, I mean, your office is pretty perfect. <laughs> your business is blowing up. Your brand is clean. You've got a great body, health, relationships. How do you face that when it's like you have an off day? Yeah, which happens often, man. And um, the external, the external is really, you know, kind of a reflection of of the internal. Except the external, you're able to. It's more stable and it's more steady, right? Yeah. Like. I think a lot of this stuff externally is a reflection of the work I've done internally, but internally I can be completely off and it doesn't mean my office decor changes. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that on still it still looks sweet, still here. looks the same. So it, it can create temporary illusions where it looks like, man, everything's going great for Aubrey. And, and I'm, I'm the one being Aubrey being like, things are not great. Yeah. Like it is not great right now. Um, and I think really for me, I go down into the depths. I go down into the darkness. I let myself feel whatever I'm feeling because I have faith that when I'm down there rummaging around rock bottom, like I'm going to find some kind of gem that I can bring back up to the surface mm. and either keep for myself or share share to the world. Yeah. So for me, it's it's always, you know, I just recognize it. And it, it's happened every time. It's like I'm really batting 100 with learning something from my darkest moments, whether it's an ego challenge or an insecurity or depression or anxiety or yeah. something that's happening like if i go down in there and i really accept it and surrender to it and see what's going on i'll find some wisdom and as soon as i grab a hold of that wisdom that teaching and i know that i'm going to return triumphant to the surface with it and it's going to help people that like just propels me right out of the yeah. right out of the darkness like oh i got a treasure now and i had to earn this treasure it was painful <laughs> right. but i got a fucking treasure and as soon as i have that treasure in my hand then that's when it all starts to turn around. And then I go up and I show that treasure. I say, listen, you know, everybody who's going through this, this is the treasure that I found. Yeah. You know, maybe this can be helpful for you. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's just for me. Maybe I write it in my journal and I'll know 
that you know on my own personal private little shelf i got a treasure <laughs> right one right from, it's a little trophy from, right there <laughs> yeah one from torture see aubrey's a little more uh torturous to himself than yeah. i am he likes to stay down in the darkness for months I until do. he's it's like, like a- i got the one gem i found it even if no one it matters to no one else yeah i like That's to- the fucked up poet part of me though, i know right? you're like you know, the philosopher like- who just wants to feel the pain as, as dark as it can go i feel like i've faced so much of the darkness within that i'm mm-hmm. like it's unnecessary for me to stay there for a long time like yeah. it's gonna happen i'm gonna suffer at some point right Staying there, I feel like, is a choice. And I try to remove myself with three simple things. If anyone's like, well, what are some other simple ways that I could get out of the, the good deep darkness, yeah, the right? Good. I, I'm going to take notes here. I try to keep it very simple. fucking notebook. I try, to keep out it, of this I try to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, this. I'm changing my whole style, everybody. <laughs> Don't listen to what the fuck I said. If we can get three simple things, fuck the treasures. And, and the, first, the first one is gratitude. Uh, you know gratitude and perspective it's like okay yes i'm coming from your place maybe i'm in a dark place emotionally or mentally but look at all that i do have look at like the incredible relationships that i am in look at you know my health look at this look at this i live in america you know all the things that we could Mm -hmm. go through and say but what are all the things i am grateful for and some people it's hard to find some people who are in a really dark place it's hard to find so look for something like there's got to be something in your life that you can be for a moment, smile about and be like, at least I've got this better off than someone else. Mm-hmm. So if that's what I try to always think about gratitude just throughout my day. Otherwise, if I'm not in gratitude, I'm just a negative person. I'm just like a mean, angry, resentful, like bastard. You know, I'm just like not happy. So I'm always in that process. And if you're actually, if you choose gratitude, I mean, there's so many things to be grateful so for. Many even things. even just a cup of coffee. Like if you're really present, bottled water. Yeah, you know, if you're like, really present and enjoy it, it's like a cup of coffee is awesome. So nice, you know. And like little little pleasures that are available, you can be really grateful for. Even in really hard times, I remember my uncle was going through like massive stages of chemotherapy for his lymphoma, but he still for his cup of coffee, you know, he'd have it black. And um, <clears throat> you have this black cup of coffee, and he would just look forward to that every day, even just rack with pain. And watching him drink coffee, like, was just changed my perspective on everything because mm-hmm. his life was pain. But for that moment, he could be grateful that this fucking bean in the coffee belt with the right amount of sun, the right amount yeah. of water that triggered the right amount of, you know, adrenal chemicals and, and the right cocktail in his brain, and still reminded him of those mornings where he would mm-hmm. wake up with his family, like, he could still drink that and smile and be fucking grateful. So yeah. there's always something. It's finding always those something. moments. I just interviewed uh, Dan Millman, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, who's one of my Amazing. favorite yeah, authors. I've read his book, Journey of Socrates, as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just he was just on a couple of days ago. I interviewed him. It hasn't come out yet. But he was just talking about, you know, when we focus on the past or the future, it's a lot of anxiety and worry can come up. But when we're just in the present moment and we focus on the breath, you know, we both talked to Wim Hof. It's like just breathing. You can be grateful for, like, I have yeah. another breath. I'm alive yeah. at this moment. So I try to focus on gratitude as much as possible. It helps guide me because when I don't practice it, I just feel like I'm a nastier person. I'm just yeah. angrier and resentful, yeah. and I go to a darker place. So that's the first thing is gratitude. The second thing is growth. And I feel like if I'm learning something, if I'm 
taking on a new challenge and I'm practicing something and trying to master it. It could be a simple thing. It could be I want to learn how to make a great cup of coffee to I want to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, when I'm practicing something and in the journey of mastery, even if it's the beginning stages, if I'm learning something, I feel happier. I feel like, okay, I'm alive, I'm growing, I'm not dying. And it's when I stop learning and growing, I feel like I'm slowly dying and I go to a darker place. Yeah. So I fo- that's why I do the podcast, because I just get to learn every day. I get to listen to people, interview, ask questions. So I'd say find a way to grow, whether it be physically, emotionally, mentally, learning a skill, reading a book. You can grow by reading a book. Anything simple like that. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about that is sometimes we forget. Like, it's very easy with a, with a closed system that has a certain set of rules. Like, Spanish has a certain set of rules. There's words that form sentences, that form dialogue, that forms a discussion. There's, it's a closed set of rules to learning Spanish. Now, there's always maybe, like, intricacies of Spanish. And, of course, you can maybe then write Spanish poetry or some nuanced version. But whatever, it's generally a closed system. And that makes it really simple you know it's simple when you have a a small game that you can improve yeah but you can also look at life which is an open system there's myriad possibilities but nonetheless we're improving at life all the time even when we're going through the darkness even when the shit happens we are getting better at life and it's not about a goal of where you want to get to it is about that arc it's the hero's fucking journey the arc through life like whatever is happening is happening as an opportunity to potentially make you stronger. Like everything that's happened in my past, I've been better for it, good mm-hmm. or bad. Yep. You know, it hasn't been fun always. Sometimes it has been a fucking blast. Yeah. You know, but either way, it's made me who I am and I'm better today than I was yesterday. And I think, I think some people get caught up in the trap of <clears throat> if they're working a job or they're doing the same thing every day, they're spending eight, nine hours a day doing something, mm-hmm. then they're tired, they go home, they go through the same patterns of watching TV or whatever it may be. And they stop growing themselves. So they stop learning because they're just in this pattern. And then they relax on the weekends because they're exhausted and they just want to escape the trap that they're in. So I think you're going to feel like you're going in a dark place if you're not carving out some time, whether it be on your body, your mindset, relationships, a skill every single day to try to grow and learn. So growth for me is the second thing. And then the third thing is, is giving, it's contribution. If we're only focused on the deep, dark hole we're in, you know, we're going to feel darkness when we're focused on ourselves only. Yeah. But when we give back, at least even just to one person, even just smiling to someone on the street and seeing them smile, creating that action in someone else is a, is a way of giving, is a way of con- contribution to one person. Now, now, people like me and you, we have an opportunity to give back to a larger audience and I feel like it's, you know, it feels even better when we see results and see people growing and learning and improving because of what we create. So for me, I feel like we've got to find a way to give, especially yeah. when we're in this dark fetal position in our minds or our soul or physically in the fetal position, like upset all day, get out of, get out of ourselves and find someone to give something to. It can yeah. be your time. It can be attention. It could be looking in their eyes. It could be hugging someone. It could be writing a thoughtful note. It could be buying a cup of coffee for someone. Anything, give. Focus yeah. on contribution. And um, those three things, gratitude, growth, and, and uh, giving, will really support you in getting out of a darker time. Yeah, that's the motherfucking formula. That's it, baby. You know, the, the, if one, one thing that is guaranteed to bring me to tears is if I'm, if I'm in kind of like a little bum place and I'm kind of focusing on myself, 
and I watch a movie, you know, like an epic movie where the hero is really sacrificing for his people or right. sacrificing oh for her gosh. people. It's like every time. I mean, the dog can die in a movie and my crying percentage is like 20, 28%. <laughs> yeah. You know, like sometimes if I really liked the dog or like, you know, it was like a really well done and the, and the music just hit just right, I might get a, might get a couple of tears. But I watch, if I'm feeling like a little sorry for myself and I watch a movie like 300, oh. you know, where they lay down their lives for the, for the good of Sparta, you know, it's just like fucking wakes me up. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck am I doing? Stop focusing on yourself. Yeah, man. You know, like just start focusing on the world. And then everything Dude. falls into place when you just stop that constant me, me, me. And just say, why, what me? A- why is this happening yeah, to you? Why, exactly. why am I not doing what I need exactly. to do? Exactly. Like, now? what can I do for those people around me? You know, like, what can yeah. I, how can I make, how can I make a difference? That's it, man. And it's not only to get you out of a dark place, too. It's also to keep you motivated when you're in a good place. Like, even if I'm in a good place and, and if I'm just thinking about, oh, man, what new kicks can I buy? Or, like, wonder if I can afford that watch now. Or, like, all mm-hmm. of that shit. Like, that doesn't really fucking motivate me. Yeah. But when I really anchor to, man, if on it becomes the force that it is destined to be, imagine how many people that's going to reach. Like, yeah. if my podcast becomes bigger, imagine how many more people are going to get to hear a positive message. Like, if my book comes out and releases and it's incredible imagine the transformation that's going to come like if i anchor to those motivations then i'm a fucking force of nature yeah if i anchor to my own you know attractiveness or you know girls that might like me or something yeah it keeps me going for a second you know some it's kind of useful like when i'm working out in the gym maybe from like trying to use my ego as motivation but it's not the real motivation that keeps me going when i'm tired that keeps me focused on the long term it's always about you know being of service para el bien de todos as they say in the jungle for the good of all that's it and for me that's a definition of masculinity being in service i think that is probably the best definition you think so you know being yourself i would say two things one being yourself knowing who you are just and, and expressing who you are not any not any projections not any masks not anything else just like here i am that is the essence of being that's the first essence and then and showing up for service so here i am and i'm ready to serve Mm. if you can say that as a man here i am i'm ready to serve you're a fucking man in my book that's amazing like i'm shaking a man's hand i'm looking in a man's eyes like you're a brother at that point yeah because that's the that and it sounds simple to say but it's the hardest fucking thing because really hard here i am you really have to unpack what the ego is, what your what your true self is, what all these other forces, your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, the things that are pushing and pulling and, you know, even within your own body, you know, like, what is, is it the candida that's driving your addictions or is it you that's like, like, who's really in control? And you have to break some of that down and get to the real base root where everything is still and you really understand, like, I'm fucking consciousness. Like I'm a force of life. Here I am. That's it. And then show up and say, now what can I do with this? What would you say is the thing you struggle with as a man the most? <clears throat> well, ego, man. I think ego is it's such a slippery beast. I realize like I realize ego is so fucking slippery that I realize that because it's something I talk about a lot, and because like in plant medicine ceremonies and the work I do, you confront it a lot. I had thought that i'd done a lot more work on my ego than i had but my ego just adopted the persona <laughs> of someone who had worked on its ego mm. so then so it's like i'm holier than thou yeah ego exactly now. Yeah. so it's like some form of spiritual materialism that snuck in where i was like no i've worked on my ego 
But what that did is it made me even more blind to when my ego was activated because I thought, oh, no, I'd worked on that. So I got that covered. So I was actually even more egoic and more blind to it because my ego had hijacked and adopted the identity as someone who'd worked on their ego. So I was more oblivious to it, Mm -hmm. you know, because the ego plays these games. It doesn't like to reveal that it's the ego, especially if you've you know identified as the ego hunter so it just it just like <laughs> ego whisperer <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah man i mean i think that's i think that's it and of course i'm in an open relationship which is incredibly challenging and and triggers the ego constantly but because i didn't recognize that my ego was still active i kept projecting the problems onto whitney i was like no it's not my ego you did this wrong like you fought, missed the protocol it's your fault and then one day i just realized like Oh, fuck. It's not her fault. It's fucking my fault. Mm. My ego was really hyperactive. And because my ego had identified with not having an ego, I didn't even fucking see it. And I was blowing it. And that was like a, you know, I'm, that was like a kind of two month reconciliation with how, how deep my ego had gone into, you know, these other hiding spots. And you don't try to kill your ego. You just kind of recognize it and say like, all right, I see you for what you are. Like, right. I got you and and we're going to move forward. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. We should we pause, pause for this? For uh, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. pause for this. Do you feel like you're confronted your ego's confronted more than because of because you're a CEO of a growing thriving company and you're in an open relationship and, you know, X the box? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously anytime you're in public, right? Your ego is going to get assaulted. You know, like if you post a video yeah. or post a post, there's going to be someone who's going to say some shit, yeah. you know. And uh, and so that kind of criticism always triggers the ego, especially because the ego will like say, oh, just get all huffy. And then, you know, just relaxing and like. Is that what yours does? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I posted a video of myself surfing the other day. It was and, great. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, brother. It was cool. It was fun. I was just having a fucking blast, yeah. right? We're out there, we were out there for four hours and and a 21 Savage song oh. hit, and I was just fucking feeling it, you know, and surfed the best. That was like the best session you were hitting, I've man. ever had. Yeah, it was, and it was awesome. So I posted it, and most people loved it. But then some people, one person just completely ranting, said I invented capitalism, was like ranting on oh me. And I was gosh. like, and I just sent him some love, you know, and said, look, man, yeah. I, I like, I know <laughs> who you are and what you are in truth. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about this. Like, say what you want, be free to do what you want. Like, it's all good, brother. Yeah. But then, and 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 that wasn't even really that hard for me because he was just like randomly espousing anger, but the one that the one that kind of pissed me off, if I'm being 100 percent honest, this dude goes, um, this dude goes, something like uh, A for effort, but F for authenticity, just the just the perfect camera op, hey? And I was like, Ooh. I was like, God damn it, you know, like I was fucking surfing and feeling it, and one of my homegirls was filming, like, and it just pissed me off that like. I wanted to defend that and be like, no, nah, man, I have fucking, I was out there all day. Yeah, I have other, yeah. You want to see all the other footage? <laughs> I'll, my, I'll show you. That video wasn't even that good compared to the <laughs> <Yeah>. other ones. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like something like that will happen where it'll feel, and then and then you'll get that kind of cringe moment. Like, uh-huh. and then you just got to kind of, ah, it's all right, man. Yeah. Just fucking let that one go. You don't need to defend every insult. You know, I, it is what you are. Yeah. The truth is the truth, man. I used to defend every insult. <laughs> yeah um online and in person but online people can see it more publicly and i remember i i, repl- I 
I used to get in really bad heated like fights with people, and ever and ever someone would like try to say something to me, it was like two days of back and forth typing back like with the anger in my fingers, like you don't know me, you know. Yeah. And um, it's gotten better over the years, but about a year and a half ago, I left a reply on my blog, and someone that I respect texted me separately and said, "Like you don't need to do this. Like you don't need to defend yourself ever for anything." Like, your true friends know who you are, this and that. Like, it's not worth your energy, and it's holding you back from your greatness when you do. It's like you're you're hurting yourself, and you're hurting the world when you try to defend yourself. Yeah. And he said, all you need to do, because I was like, what do I do? When they just, like, blatantly wrong, or they're just, whatever, saying wrong facts, whatever it may be. He goes, just say, thank you for the feedback. And leave it at that, period. No response, no, but this is why I did this. Mm-hmm. No trying to defend yourself. Thank you for the say nothing, or if you want to or say something, yeah. or say thank you for the feedback. Done. That's it. Because they can't really respond to that. What are you going to say? Like, you're welcome, and make sure you don't do this again. Okay, thank you for the feedback. Whatever you resist persists. Like the more that you're going to go battle, you know, go to battle with that, the more that it's just going to it's just going to go out of control. Like I mean, when I've learned, and again, you know, I think we've all had that instinct that you've had where we've started battling right off the bat, and I've fucking fallen in that trap, fallen on my face in that trap. Gosh. And then, but as soon as I started realizing, man, just send them some love. Just send them some gratitude. Send them some love. I mean, what at that point, if they continue and persist, it becomes more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it generally doesn't. And I've actually had dozens of cases where I've, like, listened to them and thanked them and said, you know, that's... I can see where you're coming from, maybe, or I, I, or I just see who you are, and mm-hmm. you know, I respect you, and you're welcome to say and do whatever you want. At that point, I've had so many people come back around and be like, you know what, man, I'm sorry, I, I changed my having, mind. <laughs> I was just having a bad day, yeah. you know, and I was like, no, it's all good, brother. Like, yeah. don't worry. And like seeing that, and then also having that in the in the comments, and other people seeing that example. I mean, that's the beauty of the position we're in. Like our effects are magnified. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that reply that I replied to him after he was just dogging me for, for a bunch of comments, that reply has a bunch of likes. And then yeah. other people are saying, man, I needed to see that today. You know, I needed yeah. to see that he was throwing you shade and you were throwing him love. And, and then it starts to show that we don't have to perpetuate this cycle where someone hurts you, you hurt them back. I mean, that's why we have all the fucking wars in the world. It's like Hatfields and McCoys are the egos going on and on and on indefinitely you know israel palestine you hurt me i hurt you you hurt me i hurt you i want this it'll go on forever until everybody finally just says you know what we've all been hurt like i got nothing but love and then you just kind of push love back into it and it ends the cycle yeah the challenge is you know whenever i see these comments these hate comments on anything whether it's on my stuff or someone else's it's never from anyone who's creating something meaningful in the world. It's so hard to create something meaningful and hate on someone else at the same time mm-hmm. because you know how hard of, of the work is that you're putting out there. You know how much time and effort and attention. Like for your book, I doubt you'll ever go on Amazon and say to some other author, your book sucks. <laughs> you're a horrible writer. This has zero value. Go live in a dark hole. No, no. I schedule my shit-talking YouTube comments hour every day. Yes, exactly. I just go on there and yeah. just flame people who are trying to put out a positive message. Oh, but, I mean, you've been working on a book for three, four years, yeah. right? And so you know the amount of energy it is to create something, and you'll never hate on someone who's Absolutely. doing the same thing. 
And that's why I actually call people out when I'm on like an Instagram live or Facebook live and I see just random trolls like who don't even have a name that are just like weird images and like star 69 or whatever their their name is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that like, was that to like find out who it was? Yeah. Reply to the phone call. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> reply. yeah. Um, and I'll just make a, I'll just make a note to everyone else who is authentic. I'll say, listen, this is a reminder when anyone's saying any hate comments towards you, they're not creating anything meaningful in their life because they wouldn't have the time and attention to do so. Right. So say thank you, like remove them, block them, whatever, and um, just be aware that's where they're coming from. Yeah. And remind them uh, to go do something meaningful. Go give back. Go learn something new. Be in gratitude. And you won't be hateful towards other people. Yeah, all of that hate comes from pain. It comes yeah. from fear, you know, and it's it's just somewhere along the line there was some trauma there was some pain or they have some fear that they're expressing like that's the source of that i mean it's it's and so when you see that you know really the only response isn't anger back it's compassion like man you're suffering because to have that outlook it has to come from suffering mm -hmm. like if you're if you're in an amazing mood and you're just full of love like that's the last thing you would ever do you know is is want to sling some Right. ill will upon someone else but right. if you're in pain and you're scared you know then i'm sure and we've all been in those situations and relationships where we've blown up and hurt the ones that we love why did that happen well because our ego was in, in insecure or we were in pain or we were afraid or afraid they were didn't love us enough or whatever all of that comes from that source so you see that just take the shortcut and see who they really are which is a person who's scared or a person in pain mm -hmm. and you know this is their way of lashing out it's really a mirror where they're holding up a mirror to themselves they're trying to project something on you but really right. they're just saying hey everybody i'm in pain i'm scared and yeah, and yeah i'm scared and the sooner we realize not listen to not what they're saying but what they're showing us and what they're showing us is that they're in pain then we can have sympathy for them then yeah. we can have compassion then it's like hey man i'm sorry i'm sorry like what you're going through is rough right now mm -hmm. like i wish i could help you um but you know maybe i'm a trigger for you so right. that's you know i'm sorry that that's the case but maybe that'll help you in yeah. some way yeah what would you say is the biggest pain you've overcome oh man that is a good question it's coming uh let's say the biggest pain in life and then also the biggest pain this year uh-huh <laughs> i think the biggest pain is the fear of not living up to my potential like that that fear had just plagued me and drawn me into really dark 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 places and i think that's as on it kind of developed and my platform developed and i was actually doing what i know that i was destined to do that started to alleviate but if you're looking back on my whole life like that was the most pervasive thing that tortured me like the whole the, life too my whole Reaching life potential was just about like i felt like i had made some wrong turns and i wasn't doing it because i really wasn't doing anything until i was like 31 32 i mean it wasn't a micro level i could help certain people around me but i wasn't like actually being able to express this at the scale that i really felt in my heart i was destined to do so if you're talking on a lifetime that would be it you know not living up to my potential mm -hmm. and then if you're this talking year. this year you know this year i think it would have to be major strides in in my ego honestly like the ego has been the beast that i've been confronting this year and, and again i think that open relationship container really just drives your face right into that into that shit and mm -hmm. forces you to kind of reconcile with your own 
you know, your own fears and your own insecurities and all the things that the ego likes to worry about. And it's yeah. put me in some, it's put me in some bad spots and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I've been able to accept and work through those. And I feel like I feel just so much more solid now than I ever did because when your ego is vulnerable, like someone can manipulate you real easily. Like they can get your emotions stirred up and they can push and pull you and you can get drug off course, even if it's not someone intentionally doing it, you can get drug off course so yeah. fucking fast. Yeah. You know, but the more like the more work you do on that and the more solid you are and who you really are, like what your true self is, then the less vulnerable you are. But for me it's been as all the ways that I always do it, it's just been through you know, it's trial by fire. It's like mm -hmm. if you watch that guy, Richie King Arthur, you know, it's the time in the Badlands where everything is just chaos and it feels like everything is trying to kill you and, you know, you don't know if you're going to make it out. But when you do, then you realize and you learn those lessons. Isn't it interesting that your whole life, your <clears throat> biggest pain or fear has been not reaching your potential? And then when you're thinking of not reaching your potential and you're in that dark place, there's no chance you'll be able to reach it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the longer you stay in that painful fear-mindedness, you're not reaching your potential. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's 100. percent Fear only breeds more fear. Like it, fear is like fear is like if fear was an organism, it's like a bacteria, and all it's going to do is reproduce more bacteria called fear. Yeah, and you can't get in the flow and be relaxed when you're in fear. No. So you can't reach your potential if you're no, in that dark place. Never. Never. The only only time I've ever done anything good is when I'm doing it out of love or passion mm -hmm. or you know when I'm out of my head. I realize how many how many times like my thoughts are just fear based thoughts. Like even a lot of the things that I'm thinking have like fear as like an origin. So I've really tried to get out of my head as much as possible. Because mm. like when I'm out of my head, that's when I'm full of the most love. But when my head starts running, you know, I think I tweeted something yesterday, like. Thoughts are fears farts when it really wants to just shit on your head. <laughs> you know? Like like fear causes like these things to to start running, these programs yeah. to run. What if this? What if this? Oh my god, I'm blah blah blah. <laughs> and some of that is helpful, like the stoic premeditation, trying to figure out plans for the future. But most of it is just going over the same scenarios over and over again that aren't even gonna happen. So really just trying to get out of my head and to do that, get in the present mm. moment, just basic mindfulness. Like get out of my head get either into my heart or at least just out of my head <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like that's the that's the game it's hard to do anything great when we're in our heads that's for sure and that's why i try to that's why i'm almost like glad that i have a simple mind i feel like i have a i feel like i you know i feel like i have wisdom and street smarts but i try to simplify every complex idea just don't have to think as much right and just be like okay there's the idea do I need to break it down into a million ways and like analyze something and be scared and worry? Or can I just, there's the idea, it's simplified, now let's live life. Yeah. And that's the way I try to live. Yeah, and you do, and you're successful with that. I mean, you, you embody a type of mindfulness that doesn't need a lot of practice. You know, it's like you're naturally more inclined to that way. Whereas, and, and you do mindfulness practices and you meditate. Yeah. And you well, breathe. I feel like I went through, you know, 25 years of darkness where I was like, okay, enough is enough. Let me just simplify my life a little bit. <laughs> and so I don't have to continue to go through this pain. Yeah. Because it just doesn't support my vision. It doesn't support me making an impact on other people. Now, there's something to be said, like when we go through pain, yes, we can create some beautiful pieces of art and music and 
the words flow through us because it's like this deep pain. Now something comes out of us that could impact people. So I get that as well. But if we're constantly in that cycle of pain and darkness, I just feel like that's when the greatest artists kill themselves too. Yeah. And comes at a cost. And the pain is real. Exactly. And when you kill yourself at 27, like a lot of great artists have in our, in our history, it's like you rob the world of your gifts. And that is the most selfish thing in my mind. When you, intentionally rob the world of your gifts yeah and i feel like that's not being of service yeah man you I mean you can feel it but you better pull yourself out of it too because yeah. ultimately there is that choice when you learn that lesson like i'll know that there's there's a choice just to go back to my process like where <laughs> i go deep into the darks and when i have my hand on that gem it's still a choice whether to come to the surface. You could stay there. I if could you want stay to. there. I could put it back down and just say, "No, nah, that's not. That's not it. That's <laughs> not real." And I could just stay in the shit. But it's a choice to come back up. And the more you make that choice to say, "No, I'm going to completely pull myself out of this because I got the treasure, and I'm not even going to go there. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to go back. I'm not going to go search around wondering if this is the real treasure or mm-hmm. not. This is it. This is the treasure. I got it. I'm pulling myself out." And that's, that's yeah. I think, what these artists maybe weren't able to do. They weren't mm-hmm. able to say, you know what? I got some sick music out of this pain. I got some beauty out of this. Let's enjoy it for a few years. Now, yeah. Now <laughs> I'm coming out. I brought this to the world. I'm coming back out. Yeah. And I'm going to get some, I'm going to make some music from love and inspiration. I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the game. It's going to be, you know, the Jimi Hendrix on fucking Greens Juice instead yeah, of heroin. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? It's going to be the, it's going to be a different. A different like, way that I'm going to do this. I feel like U2's done a good job with that. Weren't they more of like a harder rock band yeah, like in their early just, 20s? And evolve. now they're like you just evolve. about humanity and service and giving back and inspiration. Show different parts of the human condition. Experience the different colors of the spectrum. Yeah. Like, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> Get the whole rainbow, all the shit and all the good stuff. Exactly. I just imagined myself in your, in your brain and in your imagination. <laughs> I'm literally like walking, if you can imagine walking through Aubrey's visual brain right now and what he sees. I imagine myself walking into your castle. Uh-huh. You have this castle, and there's a wing of treasures <laughs> where it's like the trophy room. And it's like I imagine you like going in there and finding the trophy in your mind and like walking up to the, the wing of trophies, and you like open the big doors, and all the trophies are on the walls, <laughs> the plaques, the you know, the, the championship trophies, and you, like, put one up there, and you just look at it for a moment, and you say, I got it. Yeah. And you walk back out of your trophy room, and then you, like, come back to life. Yeah, totally. That's what yeah. I imagine totally. in your brain is, like, this room of trophies. Yeah, it's like a, it's just a room of little treasures it's on it, the shelf with a, little, with a little transcription underneath yes. it. I was feeling this, and yeah. then I discovered this thing, and this is what this. I think and you have a massive room of those, probably. Yeah, I've, look, I've amassed. I've amassed. I've amassed some treasures. But aren't they all the, the same bottom. treasure? Isn't it really come? It could like literally boil down into like one to three treasures. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's probably. all the. It's like comes down to they're the just, same thing. They're just like slightly. I imagine them like every little problem is like its own antique lock. Yeah. Right. And that own antique lock has its own antique key where. It's still a key to the lock, which is largely the same mechanism, but they have just slightly different teeth on it's them. A little bit, you know. <laughs> so if you're in ex- that exact situation, you can apply that little key, and you can get yourself out of that little prison yeah. that you put yourself in. And That's all cool. the keys are just slightly different, mm-hmm. even though largely it's the same thing. It's just you know faith over fear, you know, and just choosing love, mm-hmm. choosing love and gratitude and service. Yeah, you're right. Like that's 
that's generally the universal lockpick. You know, love, service, yeah. gratitude, faith. You know, but we, we need that universal key. <laughs> yeah, you know, you yeah, you're all about the universe. Any, any universal problem, key. Uh, swipe. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Just being that, you know, not needing the janitor's set, but just have that one, <laughs> that one hotel card that's just that's like it, man. Just all the doors, every door unlocks it all. I like it, man. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you got this. You got this book coming out. There's going to be some keys. There's yeah. going to be some locks that are yeah. that people are going to find. They're going to find some shit in there that's like, oh damn. You know, I that's gonna help me, mm-hmm. and that's uh that's part of your journey, man. Part of your your ability that's to give it. back and part of your service. Yeah. So I try to simplify things: the yeah. complex, the painful, the challenging. I go on a journey myself to see how I can overcome it, and then I try to package it in a way to make it easier for people so they can overcome it as well. And I did that with the book where I talk about the the nine different masks that men wear, and how men can recognize which mask they wear the most and how by taking it off, it's going to actually help them achieve their dreams faster. It's going to help them make more money. It's going to help them get the the girl or the guy of their dreams. It's going to help them uh, have more fulfillment, happiness, joy, and, and, and contribute more to the world. But we must recognize the mask we're wearing first. Mm-hmm. Our ego, we must recognize where our ego is the strongest mm-hmm. and where we want to protect ourselves the most. And as I was writing it for myself and other guys who I kind of grew up with, this mentality of like the jock guys, I realized that there are many other archetypes of men that aren't just like jock-minded. There are many other archetypes. So I was writing for other men. And then I realized, wow, actually, like if I was a woman reading this, I would have the keys to the kingdom. Like I would understand my father better. I would understand my brother better, my uncle, my son my husband, I would understand them better and I could have a deeper, more intimate relationship when I learn what their mask is, why they live with that mask on in certain situations and how to get them to take it off without making them wrong. Because I think as a man, I'll speak for myself and the men that I've talked to, we don't want to feel like we're wrong for who we're being. We don't want to feel like we're wrong, even if we're wearing a mask or not. Yeah. And so when an intimate lover or intimate family member says, you're wrong, stop doing this, start doing this. It's attacking that, that mask. Yeah. And we want to keep it on even tighter. Yeah. So for the ladies listening, it's really kind of giving some simple prompts and exercises on how to connect with the man in your life in order to get them to take it off so you can have a deeper relationship. And that's what it's all about. I dig it. In the words of future, fuck your mask off. That's it, man. <laughs> I don't know if that directly applies, but, but I've been waiting it to is. use that line for the whole pack. Take whole it off, podcast. man. Take it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody, listen to Lewis House School of Greatness podcast. It's dope. You got amazing guests. You're an amazing interviewer. It's always a pleasure jumping on Thanks, my podcast or your podcast yeah, and having these type of conversations. So it's good to see you, my brother. And everybody, um, the Mask of Masculinity available. How would you like them to buy it? Amazon work? Anywhere. Uh, Amazon. Maskofmasculinity.com. You can learn more about it there. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody. Much love. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, brother. Peace. Appreciate you. Hi, I'm Aubrey Marcus, CEO of Onnit.com. At Onnit, we've revolutionized the health and fitness industry with our unique and effective line of earth-grown supplements and foods aimed at helping you achieve total human optimization. Today, I want to tell you about a product that has truly changed my life for the better. 
New Mood. New Mood is an effective daily stress supplement made with earth-grown nutrients designed to help you relax and help your body maintain an optimal mood balance. Great for unwinding after a long day and helping to ease ordinary stress, New Mood works by combining the two raw building blocks of important neurotransmitters, L-tryptophan and 5-HTP, to help the body maintain a state of peaceful calm. Safe for daily use, New Mood is ideal when you are under stress, down in the dumps, or just need some refreshing sleep. Thousands of people worldwide are already enjoying the relaxing effects of New Mood on a daily basis. And right now, as a special offer, we're giving you the opportunity to try New Mood totally free. Just pay shipping and handling, and we'll send you out a free 30-count bottle of New Mood right away. Simple as that. We're only able to offer a limited amount of free bottles per day, so get your free bottle of New Mood now. Go to onnit.com slash trial, that's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash trial, to pick up your first bottle on us after shipping and handling.